Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of three Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. I'm DC. I'm A-Dub. Chris. Fellas, what's good? Man, DC is your world. A-Dub, man, how you living over there, fam? Man, I'm living pretty good, man. It's been a busy work day, I will say that much. Man, when we go retire, man, we got to get this podcast blowing up, man. We don't even have to work by worry about no damn jobs. Sick of these folks. <laughs> <laughs> man, it'd be nice to retire. I'll tell you that much. Dude, I, if I get another person that's, Perez, will you give me a call? No, I don't want to give you a call. Can you leave me alone? <laughs> right. Not today. Put <laughs> a whistle. Time out. <laughs> right? Man. Listeners. DC was supposed to meet with me and uh, A-Dub yesterday. We were going to watch game six. And our boy DC, he big-timed us, man. He, he actually went out to Milwaukee. He had yeah. other ideas in mind. So how was that How was that trip out there, bro? Yeah, public apology for the scheduling conflict there, man. <laughs> turned into a one-star on that one. But but this city of Milwaukee is, is, is five stars right now because, man, the electricity, the, the energy, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I've never witnessed... In person, as an adult, a NBA championship celebration. And, man, it was worth it. I would tell you this too, DC. Watching it on TV, I couldn't even imagine what that scene was like in person because it had to be at least, what, 50,000, 60,000 people outside the stadium, right? If not more. If not more. I mean, they had the designated area, the Deer, the Deer District, but then, like, immediately outside of serve where they had restaurants, ESPN was, you know, posted up on a balcony doing their, you know, halftime show and whatnot. Easy 80,000 had to be, man. Like it, it, it was unbelievable. Just spilled out throughout this, the whole entire downtown Milwaukee area. Well, A-Dub, it sounds like we missed out, huh? Yeah, man, we missed out. But it's cool, DC. You went and had a great time without us, man. I understand. I get it, man. But you could have, you know, let Prez and I know what was going down, man. You know what, man? <laughs> I did not look at my calendar. It was just an impulse. Like, man, like, I I, I completely apologize. <laughs> <From his laughs> Celebrating the Chicago Bulls victory. Or if the Bucks run it back, we'll just make that two-hour trip north. Hey, say less. But I will say this, audience. I'm going to give DC uh, his credit. He did pay for me A-Dub's drinks yesterday, so stand-up guy for, for that part. So shout out to you, DC. Much appreciated. Hope y'all had a great time. Before we get into the episode, I did want to dedicate this uh, to this, this episode to the memory of Bobby Roundtree. He's a former Illinois Fight Alumni uh, defensive lineman, passed away at the age of 23, guys. I'm sure you guys heard the story about, you know, Bobby's uh, recovery from his spinal cord injury. 
died suddenly last week. So I wanted to take the moment here to dedicate this uh, episode to his memory. My heart goes out to him and his family, man. That was tough to hear about that. And you're right, man. He was a great Illini player. I think he won defensive player a year for the um, Illini. Just hate to see this kind of thing happen to a guy like him. I studied down there in Champaign-Urbana. I know what that community is like. And it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, inspiring to see for the last two years, he really did everything he could and he grinded to to get back, just to even get his weight back up. He had lost much weight down to like maybe 170 pounds and you know his mentality was there but you know unfortunately you know he he passed on and condolences to to everyone who he touched and definitely to his his family especially his mom who took care of him yeah man his mom was his rock man she was right there with him along the way so audience uh there is a gofundme that was set up on behalf of uh bobby so people have still been donating to that. So we'll put that on our socials if you guys want to donate to his family during this during this tough time. As always, audience, don't forget, download the Crave It app. Use our exclusive code Chicago Versus, and that app is available on Apple or Android. So fellas, now we talked briefly about how that vibe was in, in Milwaukee when, when DC was down there living his best life. Well, fellas, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this game six. Because I was expecting the game to be a different outcome. Talk to him. I feel like that is a masterclass in how you close out a team. In terms of Giannis's performance, you think about the area of free throws where, look at what the Phoenix fans were doing to him earlier in this series with that countdown. Just count like one, two, three, four. Like, <laughs> like really, really letting him have it, right? But then he, he shut up the haters. He went 17 for 19. And, you know, without those free throws, that's the difference in this game. You know, Phoenix, Phoenix could have won that game easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? But just in terms of Giannis's focus, his preparation, his leadership, hats off to him, man. The uh, 50 piece. Did you guys mm-hmm. see what he on Instagram this morning? Oh, my God. And my man pulls up with the trophies in the car. In a Chick-fil-A, and he's got IG Live on, and he's he's like asking the young lady, do, like, do, do you mind if I put you on on uh, on on camera? You got one hundred fifty thousand people watching. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was a G. She 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 went ahead with the order. He's like, yeah, can I have a fifty piece, please? Not forty nine, not fifty one, a fifty piece. <laughs> Ooh, the flex, the ah, flex. Man. Woo, I love that. That's the flex because he put fifty on them sons, bro. <laughs> yes, he did. Man, he is he's really selling me on becoming a Giannis fan, man. I'm almost tempted to go buy a jersey, man. You know, but but this dude just just I love the homegrown championship when he was talking about this is how you do it. I didn't have to go join a super team. A super team was easy, but he didn't do it that way. I love that because a lot of people thought that he was gonna bounce out of Milwaukee and go down to Miami. You know, there was a lot of rumors about that, and no, he showed that loyalty. And I also think the Bucks did everything they could to make sure that he didn't leave. Because when they made that move to get Drew Holiday, I think that solidified uh, Giannis returning to Milwaukee. But to Giannis's credit, he didn't take the easy way out. One thing I want to give Milwaukee a lot of credit for, man, is their defense. Those guys were very much on point defensively. A lot of guys like Booker and the rest of that Suns team shook, man. Those guys didn't want to take any shot down the stretch. Everyone was looking to pass the ball, man. Even lights was too bright for those guys. But Booker did not have a great game. The last couple games and in CP3, you know, seems like to be a solo guy in game six. 
compare that to what Greek was doing, it was like, hey, you can't match that, man. This guy, Greek, played an A game, a super game, man. I mean, a great one. And not many games you've seen like that in the NBA Finals, man. I mean, this dude was just cooking at the free throw line, making all these shots, man, in, in the paint. He did it all, really. So he took over the game. And if you see a guy cooking like that, man, all you can do is tip your hat off to him and salute the guy. So I got to give the Greek a lot of credit, man, for what he did and what he accomplished. And um, to the Phoenix Suns, you realize that you got to get better. You want to compete. You want to be in the, um, the finals. It's a lot of work. You know, I know it was the first time for some of these guys getting there. And it was a good learning experience for a lot of those guys. But I will say Phoenix didn't look as ready as they should have been the last couple of games. And I'll tell you one thing, that, that stifling defense from the, from the Bucks really played a big factor in that. So you got to tip your head out to them and the coach over there as well, Coach Bud. I know Coach Bud took a lot of criticism about his X's and O's and things of that nature. But I will say Coach did a good job making those adjustments that played out to their favor. Yeah, I, I would say this, man. Uh, you brought up Devin Booker's name. I think Stephen A. Smith jinxed him. When Stephen A. Smith threw out that whole he reminds him of Kobe thing, I'm like, uh, where? I'm like, I didn't <laughs> see nothing. I didn't see nothing that reminded me nothing about Kobe. And this is no disrespect to Devin Booker because he's a hell of a player. Was right. he like tw- 22 years old? So he's going to have many chances to get back to this level. But in this series, you could just tell that the Bucks were going to key on him and they were going to get physical with him, and that's exactly what they did. And he faded. The key to this series, in my opinion, was the fact that the Bucks have closers. The Suns do not. Devin Booker still has a lot to learn about this league. He'll get there, but he just wasn't ready in this, in this series particularly. But it's going to be a learned experience from the way that I see it, and he'll come back stronger from it. Now, from the Bucks' standpoint of things, Giannis is Giannis. I'm not going to repeat anything you guys said there. That guy's a beast. I'm so happy for him. But I was also happy for Bobby Portis, the former Bull. Seeing him up there, getting crazy eyes, getting him getting a ring, I love that, man, because D.C., you know, we were huge on Bobby Portis when he was here. You know, I wasn't taking no slander when, when he broke Nico's face and people turned their back on him. I'm like, look, man, Nico probably had it coming, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> man, you going to throw Nico on the bus like that? <laughs> Welcome. He's, he's overseas for sure. I will add one thing to what you said about Giannis, man. People always talking about this guy need a jump shot and all that stuff, Prez. Some of you need to be shooting threes and all that stuff, man. No, play your game. Do what you do best. You get to the paint, man. You score. You've actually had led your team all year doing you. I know he feels he still got some growing to do. But overall, man, he actually led the Bucks to a chip, man. And um, all you can do is salute a guy like that who plays that way and play that style and not listen to all the other folks are telling you what you should do and how you should play. Giannis showed that championship DNA. And with DC's point about how he flipped it at the free throw line, that was huge because you could tell it was mental for him in some of those earlier series, but you could tell he must have put that work in. I'm sure he was probably shooting tons and tons of free throws. He even probably had crowd noise in in the stadium, you know, kind of psyching himself up a little bit. So those are the type of things that we don't see guys doing behind the scenes. But if you see a guy going 17 for 19, and also, too, I think the game before that, he was hitting from the free throw line. Obviously, he did something to improve upon that. So shout out to him for making those adjustments. A shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. I will just say this. Maybe controversial. If you look at all the players on both sides, I feel like Giannis wanted it the most because he's already got a trophy case. You know, he's already got the MVPs, the defensive player of the year, the all-star MVPs. He's yet to win the NBA championship. Chris Paul, for whatever reason, I felt like the first two games, he could smell it. Mm-hmm. But when he made that adjustment in game three, I felt like his desire dipped a little bit. Something else was in his head. Some, I don't know if it was injuries. Same with Devin Booker. I just didn't see that same 
intensity that they had in previous series. Like the Bucks just straight took that championship from them. That's a, a you know, a, like what do you call a sweep when it's just like four straight? But it's a gentleman sweep or something, right? Like what? What's yeah, the? That, that's what they call it. Yep, gentleman yeah, sweep. Phoenix essentially got swept. You take those two games out of out of the equation. Phoenix got swept. One thing that I was going to say too before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode is when you talked about Chris Paul. Now you remember Chris Paul did come down with COVID, so we don't know what effects that had on him. Because Chris Paul looked kind of in and out in that series, if you ask me. So I don't know, man. You never know what was going on with him and his body. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. When defense wearing you down, man, you, you got to remember Chris Paul's not a young duck floating around here, man. This is a guy who's in the upper 30s now. So you got to think about that, too. The workload, the minutes, the physicalness of the game. I mean, these guys were coming for him when they realized he was cooking them the first couple games. So he was going to be a target, right? When you're a target, they try to weigh you down. That Bucks defense is pretty strong. They throw on different bodies at you. It wasn't like Drew Holiday was some kind of scrub. I mean, Drew Holiday, first team defense, right? You got him out there. You got P.J. Tucker. You got Giannis. You know, you got these guys coming at you pretty hard. So you never know. That may have, that punishment, that the physicality of the game may have worn him down a little bit. Yeah, not to mention, too, that he was injured. I mean, he had a number of injuries. And also, right. to the point that you were bringing up, Drew Holiday was picking him up full court. So... And I love seeing guys play like that in the NBA because you don't get that a lot. You know, that's more something you see in NCAA. But, man, yeah, that that Milwaukee team, they, they put a clinic on how to play defense. So definitely yes, shout out to them. Speaking of a clinic on defense, did you guys see this damn new Space Jam movie? Because I watched that thing on, on HBO Max yesterday, and I just wish that I could get back that hour and 48 minutes of my life. Like, I don't understand what I saw. And I'm just going to say this. It was no surprise to me that LeBron James needed to be on a super team to win in Space Jam, just like he's needed to be on super teams to win in real life. But fellas, talk to us. <laughs> man, Perez, when I think about this whole deal, man, with the Space Jam movie, the first thing I looked at it was that, hey, what kind of movie is this? It's really a kid movie. It's a fun family type movie, man. Um, I watched it with my son. He enjoyed it. He got a good laugh out of it. I'm there, of course. I don't, I'm not thinking like he's thinking because um, you and I can see that um, he's not a great actor. We know that LeBron is not that. But overall, man, I thought it was a good movie from a kid's standpoint to have with your family to enjoy it. I didn't expect a whole lot out of him, really, in, the, in a movie like this year because he's an athlete who's trying to do something fun for the kids. And for that matter, I thought it was pretty good. That's why he should have left it alone. DC, talk to him. I do know people that have seen it and mentioned, you know, there are some things in there for the for the adults like little Easter eggs here and there, but it's not going to compare to the original. Like I'm a very loyal Space Jam original fan or enthusiast. You just can't compare. And from what I understand, the script, it just doesn't, it it doesn't make me want to stop what I'm doing and go watch it. You know, I'll check it out because I love the game. It's not doing anything for me. To that point, DC, I had somebody that heard uh, another show that I did when I made some comments about Space Jam. And the guy's going to say, well, you know it's made for kids, right? And I said, dude, is that the best argument you got right now? (laughs) (laughs) A good point there. Because I'm like, there were several references that I saw in that movie that the average kid isn't going to understand. I mean, what six-year-old seen Austin Powers or Mad Max? I mean, they was talking about Casablanca in the movie, right? So y'all can miss me with that. It's made for kids thing. This movie, <laughs> it missed this mark. And again, LeBron James needed some help because if you want to ask me who the MVP of that game was, it was Wally Coyote. You're not wrong about who that was, though. But, um, but to your point, Prez, it was some things in that that you can say relate to adult-related. 
The part that really I like really about it, Prez, is when they do show all his accolades in the beginning of the movie. That part to me, I've always enjoyed just hearing about what this guy have accomplished over the years in his NBA career with going from different teams, from you know Cleveland to Miami, back to back to Cleveland. So showing some of his highlights and all that stuff, I thought that was pretty cool, you know? But you're right. In that game, man, what was going on, Coyote, man, pretty much stood, stood up and held his ground. So um, yeah, you're right about that. So the game itself, you didn't really see LeBron really having a great game in there. But of course, being that impactful, of course, was the movie. Yeah, and I'm I'm not even about to do this on this show. We already know that Michael Jordan's the GOAT, so we're not going to go there. But I will tell you, in the original Space Jam, Michael Jordan was the reason why they beat the Monstars. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. That is the pettiest thing you can say, but it's accurate. (laughs) A-Dub, I've been called worse. (laughs) That's true. In the spirit of talking about competition, fellas, we got the Olympics that are starting up on Friday. I want to get you guys' thoughts on what your favorite uh, Olympic moments are from growing up from your standpoints. I'll go ahead and just throw out the, the gymnastics. Carrie she broke her ankle. She came down and, and then, uh, you know, her coach was... Didn't he have to carry her or something like that? Uh, yeah, that was Carrie Strug and that was Bella Caroli. Yep. Yeah, that one, uh, of course, Simone Biles, you know, in recent memory. But, you know, when it when it comes to the dream team, you know, nothing compares in terms of basketball, like the, just total domination. So hopefully we get some new memories, you know, from this year's Olympics, some that, you know, withstand the test of time. But yeah, for those three, I would say those those stick out most for me. I like that, man. Those are good ones. Yeah, for me, man, I always thought about praise. I think about the Olympics. I've always watched the basketball games, man, for me. Okay, uh, okay. It's always stood out. I mean, we talk about going way back, man, when, you know, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, the, the original training team. You know, when I saw that, man, it was actually, I saw those at late days. I mean, at late at night to watch those games. Those guys were, were cooking, man. And, I mean, it was a great show. They put on a great performance. And I tell you, man, I enjoyed it. It actually gave me a joy for watching the USA basketball team in general. That's where it started for me, man, because I got a good taste of what it was all about. You know, from there, I want to watch it all the time. Now, I respect that. I mean, shit, man, we were, well, I'll speak for myself. I was 13 when they won that. And I got a kick out of those guys, man. They tore up that international stage. They had those other opposing players wanting to take pictures with them, shaking their hands during the game. That to me was like so dope to see that. But one point that I thought about is, now we see the rise of international talent in the NBA, and it was because of the Dream Team. And so a lot of people right. don't talk about that, but a lot of those players internationally saw that Dream Team, and then they were like, shit, I want to play basketball. I want to be like Mike. You know what I'm saying? So we saw how the game evolved from that. So that was really dope when you think about it. I think for me, when I have like a favorite Olympic memory, I'm a track and field guy. That's my favorite sport in the Summer Olympics. I'll never forget Michael Johnson. Getting the world record, he was wearing them damn gold shoes. That I was that. bro, <laughs> man. That was that was that was swag before swag. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he called it. You know what I'm saying? He didn't even win the medal yet. He already let them fools know what time it was. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Prince, you right about that, man. So I, I think, yeah. So I think for me, when I think about that, that's my favorite moment. But as far as this upcoming Olympics, fellas, with the Delta variant, you know, coming in. I've heard a lot of reports that Tokyo is being very, very strict about this Olympics. There's not going to be a lot of spectators allowed. Even for the opening ceremonies, it's only going to be dignitaries are going to be allowed. And Tokyo basically said, 
it's not out of realm of possibility that the games could be postponed or canceled. There's a lot of things that are kind of up in the air right now as far as these games are concerned. Chris, I like uh, what they're doing, man, by taking, you know, um, the safety protocols very serious. People's safety is the most important thing when it comes down to indie sports events. So I do like what they're doing there. If the game's got to get postponed, Prez, due to that reason, I'm all for it, man. But but you know how I feel about it, Prez. I've always said that, hey, most important thing here is people. So taking people first, that's the most important thing we can do at this time because that variant's out there, man, and it's coming pretty hard. You have to look out for people and their families and just remember that these athletes are traveling back to their home countries. And if they come down with the case of this variant, then we have another pandemic situation all over again. We don't want to relive 2020. So precautions. Hell no. (laughs) Precautions indeed. And Prez, you brought up a good point about Michael Johnson, but I will ask you this. Yeah. Michael Johnson versus Usain Bolt. Who is that in their part? Uh, and you know why I said that because of those strides. You say what would have probably beat him by a stride. That dude, I mean, the guy, man, you make it look so easy at that, though. That's the same, like, yeah. And he's 6'5. Six, 6'5. Five. Six, five. Yep. That's make a hell of a question, easy. though. That's a hell of a question, though. Uh, DC, but yeah, I think you say both would edge him out. Got me excited for the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't wait. Friday, man, it kicks off, and I set every recorded on my on my uh, cable at the crib. So I hope nobody was intended on using the DVR because that shit about to be packed. And I don't even care. Praise <laughs> in this moment and now. I see you, praise. Hell <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. If if y'all want to find me, I'll be somewhere parked in front of a TV watching some swimming, watching some gymnastics. I want to see my goat Simone Bias that uh that DC brought up earlier. She gonna probably sweep all the medals. You know how she does the goat. She plays no games, boy. Woo! She's phenomenal, isn't she? I'm telling you. But no, I'm very excited for this Team USA, fellas. How do you feel about men's basketball entering the Olympics? I mean, we talked about it in the last episode how they were kind of limping into things. They did beat Spain. Zach Levine, he uh, is going to be allowed to travel with the team to meet them in Tokyo. I think he'll be able to arrive there on Thursday. What are you thinking about this team, man? Yeah, Chris, I like this team, man. They actually starting to figure it out going forward. I think those practice games, exhibition games, we're going to call them, helped out. And those guys are now starting to figure out how to play together. You know, just me start throwing guys together, man, and building the team. Sometimes it's a struggle, right? Everyone's trying to fill each other out. Who's going to take over the game? Who's going to play what role? So I think right now they're starting to actually put it all together. So I think, like you say, you saw them play against Spain. They actually won that game. They look they look pretty good together. And KD is the elder statesman on this team. I feel like everybody uh, understands that, you know, he's got the, I don't want to say like the final say, but he's got the words of wisdom in that locker room. Um, he, he was speaking recently just about, you know, people are starting to understand their roles, understand where they fit in onto this team because it's, it's Olympic basketball. It's, it's not NBA basketball. So when you get Devin Booker, you get Chris Middleton joining the team later this week, it, it, it may be an adjustment, but Kevin was, was really speaking more to about how the rest of the world has caught up. So it was good to get punched in the mouth. And now it's, it's time to, uh, to get down to business. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that last point because you have to think about they have core players that have been playing in the finals, right? So those guys haven't even been with them. But then also, you have some guys that 
were probably tired. I mean, you think about that regular season and how quickly they came back from the bubble. There's a lot of different things that are at play right now. And that's probably why a lot of guys decided not to even go to Tokyo. But I do like that they added Keldon Johnson to the mix. That's the kid from the Spurs. Because I noticed in that, in that Spain game, he was stepping up, man. And he showed a lot of like aggressiveness on defense. And he showed a lot of athleticism. And I think that's something that's going to be key for them in, the, in, uh, in Tokyo. We always say defense wins championships. Defense wins gold medals, too. That's right. Good point there, man. And I think those guys are got the right pieces now. You ask me. I'm looking at the team overall, able to, to defend the on-ball on the three-point line. I think they're starting to figure out now that a lot of these guys that they're playing against, they like to shoot the three ball. So I think now, like you said, Perez, this is international play. They're now figuring out that, hey, the game is definitely different than how it is in the NBA. Yeah, and they added JaVale McGee. Because remember in the last episode, we talked about rim protection. And I think DC, you're the one that posed the question about, hey, so who are the guys that are going to be uh, protecting the rim? And we well, we came up with Bam Adebayo, and that was kind of it. So now they got JaVale McGee that they're going to be added to the mix. And then it made me wonder, damn, so who are the best American centers in the league? Because most of them are European players. So it just really shows you how the European players are, are definitely making their uh, stake in the NBA right now. Yeah, it's uh, you look at the last three MVPs in NBA, Joker and Giannis. Uh, yep. Well, you know, that's twice. Yeah. But um, but look at Luca. Luca was in the running. You know, you got so many European players now at the top of their game in the league. These American players got to step it up. I don't know if it starts with AAU, if it's in the NCAA, whatever. But <laughs> the international play is has advanced. Yeah, it really has. And that's a good point because this is something that A-Dub and I always talk about with, it starts with those fundamentals. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of our U.S. players, they all want to look good on the court. They all want to have the crossover and they want to look good and flashy on the court. Meanwhile, those guys in Europe, these guys are learning the fundamentals of the game. I mean, look at the way Luca plays. He doesn't play with a ton of athleticism, but he can get his shot off on anybody. And sometimes I even wonder, how the hell Luca get that shot? But this is because he knows the game. He understands the floor. You know, he understands spacing. He even sees what people are going to do before they do it. So those are the finer points of the game that these European players have. And that's the advantage that I see a lot of times that they have on the American players. Yeah, Perez, in addition to what you're saying there, man, these players are starting off young over there. Man, I remember Tony Parker, how young he was to start it out. Look how young Luca was. These guys are starting off pretty young and making an impact for their, you know, for their team. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta salute that man. Those guys overseas and what they're doing, man. They coming into the NBA, they ready to play, man. And I think some of those stay with that longer to continue to develop. They're doing a good job. So I gotta give good coaching over there. Hey, I give those guys that kudos. They are developing players, man, who comes into the league and become impactful. So like you said, the Joker, Luca, there are many others like that. Aiden's gonna be one of those guys. But it's like so many guys now who are play for their country coming over here. They all developing, man. They looking very good in the NBA. Uh, gets me excited. gets me excited for Marco Simonovic, man, coming over to the Bulls this year, and and uh, we'll see if Tomas Sadaransi comes back. But Euro Euro players aren't aren't soft like they used to be. <laughs> yeah, I think they had that uh, moniker attached to them back in the day, but they're definitely showing you they're about that life. Because I remember when Devin Booker when he ran up on uh, Joker in the playoffs, and I don't know what the hell Joker said to him, but uh, Booker made some face, and I'm like, yeah, see, you you, you ain't want that shit. <laughs> and I will add one more thing for you guys, man. The game is no longer the same as it once was, right? This is not 1990s basketball, 1980s basketball. 
2020, and the game is totally different than what is played back in the, in the day. So um, these guys are adjusting from overseas to that game. And matter of fact, we're probably in a way adjusting to their game in their style. So you can see it when, as they come over here. I know where you're going with that. But if I look at the NBA, I say that their influence is all over our game. I mean, they brought the Euro over here. Now you got right. seven-footers in the league doing Euros. Yep. Step-back jumpers. Like, that's all European flair. And they Agreed. brought that over here. So I think, if anything, our players are taking things from them. And it's kind of interesting to see that. Yes, it is, man. You're proud of these guys, man, for actually help putting their imprint in the game and they're actually changing the game. So you, you like that, man. And even seeing with the passing, with the big man passing, like the joker, it's like, man, how many centers out there really doing that, man? I remember Sabonis was one of those guys who Ooh. did it prayers, and now you see, you know, Joker doing it very well. It's like, mm-hmm. this is international game really has expanded and made this NBA league, man, awesome. Man, we, I, didn't, even, and we didn't even see the best of Sabonis because he was hurt by the time he came over here, but he was nice. Right. I'd be curious to see a uh, USA versus the world at All-Star game. I know they do it now with the rookies and the sophomores, but now that you've got some of these guys that have elevated their game, just imagine like a, a starting five of like Steph, KD, LeBron, uh, AD. I'm I'm just just randomly naming Kawhi versus guys like Giannis and Joker and Luca, Porzingis. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah, I, I know where you're going with that. Yeah. We 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 still getting that ass though. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be nice to see though, no doubt. But I but you but you know what DC. DC, you should make that suggestion, man. Go online to do that because I think that'd be nice to see something like that. Yeah, man. Like it's 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 getting there. Like I, I feel like the playing field is starting to to balance out. Well, speaking of uh the playing field balancing out, fellas, the Chicago Bulls they're gonna be drafting next week. We got pick number thirty eight, fellas. A lot of people have been talking about the Bulls potentially trading up into that first round. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen, but it's something that DC talked about as well in one of our earlier episodes. But I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on targets that you guys think that the Bulls could bring in at that 38 spot. At 38, I like JT Thor. I Right now, mm. NBADraft.net, they've got him pegged to go 35. Kid, freshman out of Auburn. Uh, potential is off the charts. I like him as a project. You know, right now, 6'10", 205, power forward, center. Nothing's going to jump out at you right away. I mean, much like Patrick Williams, only averaged about nine points in college. But you take a guy like this and and just allow him to hone his skills, like play behind a few guys. Like, he can can develop, maybe put on 20 pounds in a few years and and, and be a long-term or long-tenured NBA player. It's really hard to win that second round, though. It is. A lot of a lot of those guys are going to be more of your project players, right? But I mean, we've right. seen the history. I mean, Chris Middleton, we just talked about him earlier. He was a second-round draft pick, so you never know. He was picked at 39 by the Bucks back in the day. But I wanted to t- touch on Thor real quick. So, DC, I like that one because a lot of people don't realize he only played that one season in college. But I really like his upside because defensively, I think he's got a lot of tools that could be definitely beneficial here in Chicago. Yeah, I like that, Chris, that defense you talked about, man, that on-ball, on-ball defense. I think that's where he can make a big impact there. Yeah, either that or even playing that defense in the post because he um, 
he definitely has a really large uh, wingspan. And I think yep. that that's something that we're missing um, on defense. I mean, with this Bulls team, you guys know, we don't have much rim protection. So I think somebody like this project player that DC mentioned, I think that, that'd be a good one. Uh, what, what you got for me, uh, Adub? I looked at several guys, Chris, but the one that kind of stood out to me, though, that I thought would make sense is I was looking at Scotty Lewis, the guy from uh, Florida. I know Billy Donovan has some experience coaching that team, but I do like that kid, man. He's 6'5". He can play guard, small forward. I like his ball handling, his defense press. He can block shots, can stretch the floor with his shot. He's not a great shooter, but he can be. He can knock it down, though. But I was looking at a guy who can actually play off of, um, you know, some of our players, you know, of Zach Levine. And I'm like, this guy's one of those guys who probably could. I'm not saying he's going to come in right away. It'd be great. But I thought coming off the bench or something like that, Perez, is where he can probably can contribute. Yeah, Scotty Lewis is an intriguing name. And yeah, you're right. You talk about his pedigree being a, a Florida player. That would be a good one as well. I was actually surprised, though, when he left uh, college. I thought it might have been a little bit premature. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school because he was uh, in the same draft class with LaMelo and Pat Williams. That's a good name right there. But his draft stock has taken a bit of a plunge, so you never know. He may be there for the Bulls when they do pick at 38. Possibly, yep. But he's also somebody I think that has a decent ceiling because I think he could defend pretty well from what I see yeah. the kid. Yeah, man. And I like guys who can also explode too, Perez. He, right, he can defend. He got some closeness. And the thing I like about him, Perez, is that he uses his, his athleticism to help him play defense, right? A lot of guys I see in the league, they got athleticism. They don't use it for defensive effort. And I like that kid because he's one of those guys who hustle, plays pretty hard, and utilize that. So I thought he will be a good you know, addition as he continues to grow and develop and to playing alongside, you know, off the bench and come off the bench to help out. Like, come and give him some valuable minutes off the bench. Now, the one knock that I have on this kid, though, I was just thinking about it. When I watched him play, he doesn't have that same attitude on offense that he has on defense. And we right. saw a little bit of that with Pat Williams last season. So that's something right there. That I, when I saw that, I was kind of like, eh, but maybe that could be coached out of him. You never know. Yep, that's a good point, Perez. What do you All guys right. think about a guy like Jericho Sims? You know, I just saw he had a 44 and a half inch vertical, second highest ever at the combine. So the athleticism is there. What do you think about a guy like that? I've heard his name. He's been kind of rising all over the place. I know he signed with Clutch. That's my first strike against him. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but I just I can't get with the uh, the draft combine hero type cat, cats. And I think he's one of those guys that he's making a name for himself based off of how he did in the in the combine. So I don't know, man. I, I look at a lot of guys in in the, in the draft. I actually like a Herb Jones over this Jericho Sims kid. No, I'm with you, Prince. The, the combine to me doesn't tell it all about these guys, man. I do want to see more. You just don't know what he might transit to be, right? The guy got some jump. I, I give him that part of it. But I'm looking at also the skill part of it, which I think is an area that needs to be developed on him. So if he can continue to grow in that area, maybe he'll be fine for his down the road. But those things you kind of wonder about because everyone don't develop that kind of that's the kind of skill set. So right now, talent-wise, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, but I, I would say when I have seen him jump, it looked like his damn head was going to hit the rim. You know what I mean? I like the fact he's a senior, though. You know, and I feel like maybe the Bulls do go in a direction to get more of a seasoned player out of this second round. Because you look at what they did with Marco. Marco's already playing overseas. I feel like they want to bring in guys that have gone through it a bit, you know, and got some uh, valuable experience up under their belt. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. And we talked about in previous episodes that maybe Th Daniel Theis may not even return. So, I mean, I think 
if we could look at someone potentially in that spot, he could be someone. I don't know, man. I, I would just shy away from it if it were me, but shit, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. You know? <laughs> we'll have to see what happens here, friends. Yeah, shit happens. But I like Terrence Shannon Jr., the kid from uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. And he's a Chicago boy. So I would love to bring a Chicago kid back home. But the one thing I like about him, two guard, and he has the ability that he could play the three spot, six foot six, got some good size on him. And uh, he showed a lot of progression in his game. I think he's someone right now that's projected to be a late first round, maybe like early second round pick. And I think that he would be someone that was slotted really good with us because we need to add some young wing depth in the mix right now. I think that's an area that we really can improve on this roster. Yeah, friends, I like that versatility. Like you mentioned, man, a guy like him who can guard small forwards, can also guard guards, and maybe even go to power forward how they play now, small ball. So he's one of those guys that fit the puzzle too, man. You kind of like those guys with that kind of wingspan. To DC's point that he made earlier when he threw the, uh, the, the four out there, right? And I think between that position and I also think what you even mentioned, uh, A-Dub, I think all of these are positions that I think that the Bulls need to be targeting. I don't know what AK has up his sleeves, though, because as you mentioned, DC, he maybe he does get into that first round. Maybe he has a guy that he has his uh, heart set on there. So I don't know. But I think that if he does stand pat in the second round, I think there's some project-based talent that would be really good for us to have. I like the thought on that phrase that, that you mentioned, like you said, the project, right? A project. And I think that's something that, the Bulls might need. You still need, like you say, you need to get younger on the bench. And I think that helps too. So having a project, man, guys who continue to groom and grow in the next couple of years who turn out to be a solid NBA player, that's a win. Someone that's been drafted at 38 and turns out to be a solid NBA player, I will give AK his props on that. I mean, think about the organization did a couple of years ago when they brought Daniel Gafford in here. And he's going to be a productive role player in this league for many years to come. So if we can uh, latch and grab another guy like that in the second round, I'll be all for it, boys. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to segue over to some Chicago Bears talk. I know this is something that our listeners have been asking us to do a little bit more of. Well, guess what, guys? We're covering five teams. We do the best we can. Give us a break. But, however, we're going to get into Roquan Smith. Fellas, Roquan Smith is coming off of an all-pro season. I know he didn't get that nod from the NFL, but we all know that he was all-pro. So, fellas, do you think that the Bears should look at a way to lock up Roquan Smith now? Or do you think that they should wait a little bit? Because the longer they wait, the more that price tag is going to go up. Talk to them. Prez, I think they should go out to Roquan Smith now and lock him up. Let's not play around with that, man. I mean, he's on his way up, right? Still getting better. Don't let him peak and then talk about giving that contract. You got a chance now to you still got to pay him some money. But right now, you got a chance to give him at probably a reasonable price at this point. So I would say for the Bears... Lock him up right now, Press. You hit on all the good things about him already, man. How this kid has already, you know, done some things. Should have been all pro. Can do a great job at running guys down, playing excellent defense. We missed his presence when he got hurt, Press. So this guy does so much. He even came in as a leader. You've seen this guy come in early, man, as that guy ready to play when all the other veterans decided to sit out. Again, voluntary workouts with the team. But he came through, man, and showed a lot of leadership. So you can see this guy still growing, man, still getting better and still humble. So you catch a guy like that, man, I think he's throwing the bag, man. This guy's been excellent for us. Back up the Brinks truck, give him the key <laughs> ball. <laughs> I mean, homegrown talent is hard to come by. We just saw it with Giannis, man. If you got, if you got something, hold on to it. We always talk about it. The kid is only 24 years old. 24 years old. That means he's got a decade left 
of playing elite level football. And I want that to happen here in Chicago. The reason why I pose this question to you guys, though, is I thought about it. There's a lot of linebackers in this league that are set up for paydays. Devin Bush, Devin White. I mean, we know we saw what Devin White did in the Super Bowl for the Bucks last year. You got Fred Warner. These are guys that are all lining up to get, make major, major paydays. So if I'm the Bears, I'm not going to allow these other teams to set the market for Roquan. Right. You guys need to go ahead and sign him because, guys, remember when we signed Eddie Jackson and we made him the highest paid safety in the league? Well, since Eddie Jackson signed that contract, there have now been two safeties that have signed deals that eclipsed Eddie Jackson. And they were smart to go to Eddie Jackson beforehand, minus what he did last season. But I'm hoping for a rebound season. But as I digress, what I don't <laughs> want, <laughs> what I don't want, though, fellas, is I don't want the Bears to be at the mercy of the market and then we lose Roquan because now his price tag is just way out of whack for what they can afford. Yeah, man, Perez, you're right. There's a lot of teams who will look at Roquan and like, this guy can change our defensive culture. We're getting him. So you make a good point, man. This is a guy, we got him homegrown. We got him in the house, man. You want to get the job done as soon as you can just before, like you say, all these other stars getting paid, man, and set the market trend. And you don't want to do that, man. Outprice this guy to where you can't get other players on this team because of their reason, right? I mean, we still got a Rob contract out there that we were worried about of signing him to an extension. So oh, you got man. a chance to knock this out, knock it out. Oh man, a dub, and that's another one. I'm just like, here, why they they haggled a Rob over a couple million dollars? I'm like, man, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Pay this man. Right. What more you got to do? <laughs> what more does he have to do? <laughs> right. They had this man cap in hand, just out here begging. You got any spare change? No. Give him what he needs. Give him the, the contract that he deserves. He had Mr. Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing to him last year. Y'all should be giving him a parade for the numbers that he put up with those two jokers back there, quarterback. Yeah, man, you make a good point, Perez. So you add that along with what's going on rope bomb. We got two guys looking at that are valuable pieces to this organization. What do you do? You ask me, since you got a chance to uh, do something great with Roquan, you knock that out. We understand that those wide receivers now, especially the good ones like A-Rob, they've got a nice high price out there between 18 and 20 million. I'm not sure what the price range would be so much for someone like Roquan, but I think at this point, Perez, you don't want to wait too long because now you have a problem with, hey, both of them. Yeah, I just don't want I just don't want them waiting around because look at what they've done with A-Rob now. Now we're going to yep. mess around. He's going to walk. But I don't feel confident that they're going to re-sign him. And I don't want that same thing to happen to Roquan. So I hope that they're having those conversations with him now because I'm just going to take a shot here, and I don't even care what you fans think about this. <laughs> but when it came time for Jake Cutler to be extended, they gave that man that contract, and then he didn't even have to even quabble to the media. He didn't say one word. They threw $126 million in his face. And that was the only time in Jake Cutler's Chicago career that I actually saw him smile was when he got that big-ass contract. <laughs> but why but why a rob gotta snatch all his chicago affiliations off his twitter account to get y'all attention and y'all still don't get a man nothing y'all still don't sit down with his agency i don't get that why is that earn these contracts you don't want to pay him but jay cutler had to do nothing and y'all gave him that money and then he quit us on that damn green bay packers game yeah i'm still salty about it i don't care see hey man brez you're on one today and rightfully so <laughs> rightfully so but you're telling the truth and when you look at it it's just an organizational philosophy you know that's why they gave that money to jay jay cutler but if you look at it and you put it under a microscope you see you have talent within this organization that any like stevie wonder could see you gotta pay these <laughs> players you got to you, there's, there's, 
come on, man. You got Justin Fields waiting in the wings. The future of the Bears is very, very bright. Now you just be proactive and lock them in and just say, this is the route we're going. Adjust at the top, and then the body will follow. The roster will follow. Championships will follow. And the one thing I want them to keep in back of their mind, Prez, the Bears, is you got Justin Fields, right? You you want you got a franchise quarterback. You got to think about how do you keep this kid happy as well, right? You don't want to set the kid up for failure, right? Down mm-hmm. the road. I'm not talking about just the year he starts. When you get a chance to play, but I'm thinking that, hey, in the future as well, you got a guy like Ro Punk who can be here for a long time, man. You got A-Rob who can be here for a while. These are guys he can look at and say, man, it's good to have some guys who I know for sure, who's going to give me it all and going to put it all on the line on the, on the field. So you got to think about that part of it as the Bears organization and think about, hey, what are you doing for your franchise quarterback once it gets out there? That's a damn great point because if he ain't got weapons, then what's the point of having a franchise quarterback one? And who are you going to replace him with? Because I've seen some of the receivers that they got on the market. If y'all not even willing to pay A-Rob, you're definitely going to be willing to play the top guys in that, in that, in that free agency class. So I don't know. I, I'm just saying, Ryan Pace, you got back in my good graces by drafting Justin Fields and trading up to get Tevin Jenkins. Don't make me have to come for you again, man, if you let A-Rob walk. I don't want to have to do that, but I will come for you. <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> but, all right, I want to get you guys' thoughts on uh, Allie Quigley. Uh, we saw during uh, WNBA All-Star Week, she hit the three-point shootout and she won the contest. And uh, I know, DC, you were talking about how she was lighting it up in that game to me and A-Dub went to. I mean, she's a shooter, bro, and she shot the lights out in that competition, fellas. Plain and simple. Shooters shoot. Shooters be shoot. And <laughs> pew, to- pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Lasers from downtown. <laughs> like, she's, uh, she's next level with it. But it's good that she brought some hardware back home to represent the city. So congrats. Ali, uh, good job. Five stars on your shooting stroke. I actually saw her, man, that three-point shootout, man. And um, you know what's crazy about three-point shootout, man? It's some pressure added to you, man. I mean, she was like, one young lady had 27 points, man. She had to come back to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make some big shots in that in that three-point shootout, man. And that second round, also the final round to even win it. So I was like, man, this young lady can shoot under pressure. So she has no problem with that. I believe this is her third championship, man, for um, three-point shootout. So, um, Congrats to her, man. And uh, like you say, President, we went to the game. We actually saw her doing a good job for us, man, in the game, bringing us back the game that went to overtime. So, yeah, she can shoot her butt off, man. And she won those weapons on the team that would say, man, got to happy to have a shooter. You know you got one on the team. Yeah, and one thing, too, because you're right, she was going head up against that guard from the Liberty because she was on fire, too. But uh, yep. Allie, Allie took her down. But one thing that you brought up, now this is Allie's third championship in the three-point shootout. She joins Larry Bird and Craig Hodges as the only players in the NBA and WNBA to have three three-point titles. And I think that is huge because, I mean, you think about Craig Hodges, who he don't get enough credit for what he done in this league. And I'm telling you, it was a travesty what the NBA did to Craig Hodges. Y'all foul for that. And we're going to talk about that in a future episode. But, Ali, shout out to you. You joined great crowd there. And it was awesome seeing her wife, Courtney Vandersloot, there in Vegas saluting her uh, when she won that title. That was dope to see. Yeah, man. It was happy. Happy times for us on Chicago Sky, man. And another thing, too, 
she let the crowd know that this is going to be her last three-point contest, and she got some booze there for that. I was actually sad to hear that shit, too, because it's always sad when you get the, get the people, that, the females or males that you want to see in these competitions when they decide to, to retire from it. You're just like, man, I want to see you compete again, you know, because when that person's no longer doing it, you're just like, man, the, the, that contest just loses a little bit of its uh, luster. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does, man. I feel that same way, Prez. Like, man, the, the champs should always go back to do it unless somebody else beat the champ and they hold on the rein and then let the competition continue that way, you know? But yeah, I would like to see her come back, man. But I mean, some people want to go out and win it, right? And she's going out with a bang, though. So I'll give her that credit. But you're right. I would love for her to go back in there and try it again, you know, um, and go for four. And some people never even throw their name in a hat like <clears throat> LeBron. Never done a slam dunk championship. <laughs> never done a slam dunk. You know what I mean? And Zion, where you at? Mr. Williamson, we would love to see you in a slam dunk contest. Come on, Zion. That's true. That's true, man. I'm tired of these guys making these business decisions, man. Decide not to do it, opting out, you know? I would love to see the best of the best do it, man. That's one thing I love back in the day, Perez. You would say, during the Jordan era before that, man, the best guys, the best dunkers, they wanted to get in it, man. They wanted to challenge themselves, man. Dominique Wilkins, you know, Spud Webbs. These guys wanted to challenge themselves. Like, hey, let's compete. Let's go at it. So you just you just hope that a lot of these guys, these young guys, decide to take that challenge on. Yeah, man, because if this city could talk and tell LeBron, hey, if you want to copy Michael Jordan so bad, get in that slam dunk contest. Let's see what you got. <laughs> Shit, Mike was out there dunking in gold chains. Mike didn't care. He <laughs> put the gasoline down. <laughs> that can't was a primer today. today. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't depart today, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Friends ain't playing no games, man. <laughs> Taking shots, he bringing the heat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Speaking of more heat coming, what's going on with these Cubs? Hey, Doug. We saw the game yesterday. Um, hey. I got short term memory right now. You know. Hey, look, DC. We he, that's one game they won. And he, he, he a little happy. I saw him yesterday. He was trying to act like he wasn't happy about the win. He was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to play it cool, man, you know, because the other Cub fan was going crazy. <laughs> Listen, hey, DC, we're going to get back to the pod here in a second. I got something funny to tell you. So there was another Cub fan in the bar <laughs> yesterday. And him and a they was bonded for a second. It was cute, right? And I stood yeah. up here like, oh, this, this, this is nice. And then the guy started getting a little crazy. And a Dub slowly started backing himself away from the dude. And I was like, ooh, man, y'all Cub fans are something else, boy. Hey, <laughs> a Dub turned on this dude quick, man. <laughs> man, the guy started to go too far, man. I mean, everything became a problem for him on how the team was playing. And I was like, man, dude. The Cubs have decided that they're going to go in a different direction this year, man. They made they put it out there, the moves they made. But this guy, man, was very upset. And I get it. You know, he's a passionate Cub fan. He knows the history of the Cubs. And, and I totally get it. But you got to understand where the team is at right now. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm currently in a city that went on a 50-year drought for a championship. And the Southsider, the White Sox fan in me is is seeing another 50-year drought for the Cubs. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I, okay, just, all jokes aside, no, it won't be 50 years. But, you know, like, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time, man. I mean, Chris Bryant is as good as out the door, you know. Yeah, they got to make sure that they get back adequate pieces. Well, I mean, to that point, uh, Jock Peterson was traded to Atlanta, A-Dub, and that's kind yep. of part of the, the equation here. And that's what you were trying to impart on your cup friend that you made yesterday is the fact that, hey, 
this is a rebuild of situation where right now we're not going to be able to re-sign back everybody on the team. So we got to be realistic. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the same way with the, even I look at the White Sox, Chris, you got to keep a good balance. You know, young guys, older guys, veterans who you think can, can help you continue to contribute for a championship, man. And you cannot sign everyone to a mega contract, man. You just can't do it. So um, with the Cubs, I like what they're doing now. Man, they had a nice little run for five years, Perez. And now they're looking to, hey, you know, retool, kind of start over a little bit and bring in some fresh kids, you know, who want to play and bring that hunger that some of these guys had when they first came up. Like Chris Brown, he came up, you know, still got some of the hunger still, but you see how he came up, man. He came up ready to play. You need to retool with that same uh, mindset to bring in guys who can come in and make an impact. Like you see for the White Sox, a lot of those young guys right now, Perez, they're hungry, man. They're balling. So you got to take the same approach. A-Dub, I love how much you talk about the White Sox and how uh, we are the, the cream of the crop here in this city. I just love hearing that. I was smiling from ear to ear with listening to you keep bringing up the White Sox. Can you say it one more time? <laughs> no, man, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Focus on my curves, man. <laughs> All right, well, hey, you, you asked for it. So now, since we're focusing on the Cubs, now they're eight and a half games out of uh, first place in their division. Ouch. Correct. Now, I'm wondering at what point, though, we're going to start seeing them sell off the parts because DC brought up the fact earlier that Chris, Chris Bryant is probably gone. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. They're not going to give him the money that he deserves, so they might as well trade him. And I've been hearing, fellas, that the Washington Nationals are a team that's going to go hard after Chris Bryant. And I heard that the Cubs have specific top-level prospects that they want back in any sort of a Chris Bryant trade. And I think that the Nationals do have those caliber of people in their farm system. So it could be any moment now where we see maybe a Chris Bryant get moved or Rizzo could get moved. You, you never know. But I think some of these players are going to start to, you know, get taken off of this team. Yeah, man. I think Perez, you know, it's, it's the right thing. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a huge Chris Bryant fan. I'll tell you that much, man. It, it'd be hard for me to see him go because I was a huge fan of him when he, you know, won a National League uh, MVP. And I know we're at a point now to where the Cubs are in, in a transition stage, right, where they're training down and looking to retool. But I think with Chris Bryan leaving, man, and getting traded for something in return, that's probably one of the right moves to make. And you're right. I think that's one of the teams you mentioned already that's interested. The Mets are interested. So, you know, it is what it is, man. As long as we get some good value back in return, I'm all for it. Yeah, at least you're realistic, man, because the guy from yesterday, man, he wanted him to sign everybody. It got points to the game. He would see a guy on TV. One second, he was like, who is this guy? And then all of a sudden, how come the Cubs didn't sign this guy? I'm like, bro, you just heard about this guy two seconds ago. Yeah, man. He wanted to sign everybody. I was like, dude, we can, hey, look, dude, hey, look, the, the Cubs no longer going to be an organization, man. We signed everybody like that, man. I mean, they're not going to have any money at all, really. They go out that path, man, of just signing players to all these big-time contracts, man. So, yeah, he was going, he was going off for us, and it was funny. It really was. It was funny. I was like, I was, I was looking around. I was waiting for the uh, the candy camera to come out. I'm like, we on some sort of a reality show or something like that. Because I'm like, this guy can't be for real. You know? <laughs> she was serving my man right there. The bartender must have been serving him up yesterday, man. She she took care of my man, a Cubs fan right there. He was sauced. Man, he was definitely sauce, bro. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you could tell his volume was all the way up. I'm like, bro, can we turn you down in the headphones real quick, man? Damn. Yeah, he was he was, he was he was screaming. I'm like, bro, my ears, man. I'm old. Like, stop. <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to the Cubs was the best thing that happened to the Cubs. Matter of fact, the best thing that happened to the Cubs was the worst thing that happened to the Cubs. When they started making that comeback, that guy was living on every play, friends, every bro. single play. I was like, wow, are we in the stadium? 
And I'm sitting up here, bro. He was treating it, and we're gonna get back to pot and audience, but this guy treated that game like it was World Series game six or something. I'm like, bro, this is just game 101 in a season where y'all ain't going nowhere. Relax. And then I said it like, yeah, y'all ain't going nowhere. So relax over there. Just drink your beer, enjoy that victory, because I know y'all haven't seen many of them this year, but it'd be easy. You know, with the finals was on. He was like the only person in the bar that wasn't even concerned about Giannis winning the championship. DC, we was watching the finals game. Even A-Dub was paying attention to the finals game. And this man over here talking about, hey, they scored five runs in the ninth. I'm like, that's cool. What about it? Right. <laughs> it was just Tuesday, man. <laughs> hey, Dude. shout out to you, Super Cubs fan. <laughs> you, 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 you keep that same energy, sir. Well, I'll tell you one thing, DC. Uh, if we pull back over there to that bar, I'm going to let him know that he made the putt. Hey. <laughs> he's noteworthy today he's, he's podcast famous <laughs> yes you are podcast what, famous. Man? but hey i gotta say this man salute to my cub fans man i love you guys hey bring the passion i know we had a one that kind of went overboard a little bit but you know what i'm all for passion when it comes out of sports so i'll take it no and i know that i bust uh chops with with a double lot, but listen i'm a bears fan a bulls fan a Sox fan I'm in no position to judge anybody on their team sometimes occasionally falling off the, you know, the wagon a little bit, right? And I think your fandom, it says a lot about you as a fan if you can hang in there with your team even when they're not winning. Because it's very right. easy to cheer for a team when they're doing well, you know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And we know who you people are because when we ask you about the players, you don't know who the players are, you hopped on that bandwagon. I get it. There you <laughs> go, friends. The bandwagon, folks. I'm not a fan of them at all, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan to a diehard True fan. I love that. Speaking of uh, diehards, we're going to segue over to my Chicago White Sox, the team that has the best record in the league. Ah, fellas, <laughs> I, I, watched, I, watched, I watched another White Sox game yesterday while that Cubs fan was going crazy, and I had to remind him real quick of, hey, my team just uh, came from behind in the ninth inning, and I, you don't hear me hooting and hollering, but you know why that was, sir? It's because we've been here before. And that's, I act accordingly. You doing all this extra stuff because you didn't expect for your team to win. See, that guy, he lives in a perpetual state of just wanting to fucking be upset and angry about something. I expect greatness because I see World Series ambitions and aspirations in front of me and my future. And we got Eloy and Robert coming back, fellas. We just re-inked Lance Lynn to a two-year contract extension. And I told you guys last episode that Lance Lynn fits the bill for what a White Sox player should look like, act like. And I'm telling you, the guy probably lives in Bridgeport. You probably go to rings and things. You probably see him in there right now, tearing up a 12-piece. That is who Lance Lenz is. Love that kid. We got the best team in baseball, A-Dub. I'm going to keep talking about it. Every time I text you, I'm going to remind you about it. DC, we're going to have fun talking about it. We're going to go to some games, fellas. The White Sox are the real deal. Anything short of a World Series title this year, and the season was a failure. Yeah, man. They're a championship team. I agree. I want to see some black and white W flags. When can we get those printed up? Because it's a lot of W's on the South Side lately. We we need we need some black and white W flags. You know what? You see, now that you talked about it, I think we need to get some Chicago State of Mind W ah. South Side flags. See, look at that. See, his creative juices is just always coming to, <laughs> to, to play. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we this we gonna make this a thing, bro. I'm telling you, we're gonna make some money off of those because that team's going deep, and you know how fans and even you bandwagon fans, you can buy our flags too. It's okay. 
<laughs> I, know, I know I took a shot earlier, but we'll take your money. Appreciate you. With that being said, though, you're right, because on that on that north side, they're all about the, the W and the L flags. And I'm always like, oh, that's cute. I like it. But I think we need to get that tradition going over on the south side, D.C. We're going to start that. We're going to lead the charge. Yeah, yeah. The Cubs fans, y'all can have the blue ones. We'll just have the black and white ones. We'll just make it a Chicago thing. And we'll just I, have way more black and white flags around the city than the blue ones. <laughs> and they're going to look better, too. Hey, man, I think y'all going a little too far now, right? Now, I let y'all go ahead and go in, say, because y'all winning right now, and I support that. But, hey, d- don't keep coming on with this and, the, this and my cubs, man, throwing that little slander there, you know? You all sell more? Okay, fantastic. All right, cool. But relax, fellas. <laughs> Give my boys a little love, all right? <laughs> y'all forever going to have Wrigleyville. You know ain't nothing going on around <laughs> the guaranteed rate. I mean, we got to build that area up. We need to get a, a more entertainment-friendly community around that that ballpark, but uh, y'all always gonna have Wrigleyville. Yeah, and that was another thing that uh, A-Dub's buddy was complaining about yesterday, how they have built all those hotels and stuff over there on the north side. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> if I were a fan, I would love that. And he was like, who's gonna go to a game and go to the stay at the hotel? And I'm like, I don't know, people with money? I don't know, right. most people. <laughs> I'm like, what, we, what, we talk, what, what are we talking about, man? Tourists, they gonna come to town, they wanna stay at Wrigleyville, they'll pay that $1,000 a night, and they exactly. ain't gonna worry about it. And the people love the Wrigley, man. They love the area, man. They go out there, have a drink, and all those different things, friends. It's a good scenery, you know? Good time to be out, especially in summertime. It's like, dude, people want, people are going to enjoy themselves even after the game. So, yeah, you still can have fun, man, in Wrigley after a loss. I mean, it's so much that can cheer you up afterwards. I love how A-Dub say a drink. I have never met someone that went to Wrigleyville and had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I've been, I've been driving for Lyft for five years. I'm, I'm like in that 6,000 ride range. Only time anybody ever threw up in my car was three people from Wrigleyville. 1230 mm. at night, all night drinking past. Only time I got got. And and you were done for the rest of the night there. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Time to go. That's done. Awesome. But but to but to your point though, I mean that that atmosphere around uh guaranteed rate. It's not conducive for, you know, the experience that you'll have at Wrigley. However, I always enjoy the tailgates at the cell. I mean, it's a great time. So sometimes you just got to create your own adventures. You know what I mean? So public That's service it. announcement. So sometimes you just got to do more with less. You know what I mean? That's right. All right, fellas. Well, if this city could talk, mine is, if this city could talk, it's going to tell some of you anti-faxers out there that this Delta variant that's coming in, this thing ain't playing. And I'm not trying to go back inside again. So please, for the love of God, do your research. It's science. It's not a conspiracy theory. Get your fucking vaccine, please. Because I'm telling you, if I got to go back in the house again, I'm going to be on another list. Just please do some research, consult your doctors, and just make better decisions. Don't make decisions off of conspiracy theories and feelings and emotions. Make it off of science. Man, heck of a point there, Perez. It's all about safety, man, and, and your health, man. That's most important these days. And you're right. The other part about it, Perez, I don't want to be in the house any longer either, man. But I do want us all as a, as a population, as people, man, to do the right thing and take care of ourselves and our health. Sir. But I will say, if this city could talk, it would say that, hey, the young ladies who are out in the streets, um, along with these young men, it's problematic, Perez, when it comes down to, you know, a lot of crime, a lot of things that goes wrong. 
most cases, people look at this here and think about the young man when these things go wrong. I really think it's important to also look at some of these young ladies who's also running around with these young guys, man, because um, some of them are just out here, man, doing the wrong thing. And I think we talk about putting things together when it comes down to um, looking at looking out for these young individuals, men, young men, and young ladies, man. We talk about resources. They can use some love. They can use some support. They can lose, lose some recognition of doing great things. And I think at this point, man, we got to look at it, this whole thing holistically. I think when crime go on, goes on in the city, everyone looks at the young men. I think it's more than just them out here doing things. And I think we need to take a, a really, again, a holistic approach and look at both sides of it, the young ladies and the young men, and do something about that. When it comes down to when I hear that is the fact that we need to be connected to all of our uh, kids and children, not just... Yep lumping one uh, gender into a bunch. We need to try to connect to them all because all of our kids are hurting right now. There's a lot of trauma that's going on out here. We always talk about these type of things. So I agree with that. We need to connect to all and not pick and choose who we're trying to connect to reach. Agreed. Excellent assessment, guys. For me, I'm on the road. So I'm going to take it from a Milwaukee perspective. If this city could talk first, I'm just going to say this city is experiencing some of the greatest joys that it has experienced, especially in recent light of a lot of the police brutality and things that have affected uh, Southern Wisconsin and, uh, you know, in recent years. Uh, it's good to see camaraderie and the city coming together for a common goal. Like seeing a team win a championship is a beautiful thing. I'm glad that I got a chance to experience this in person. But what it boils down to is, Somebody had a dream and somebody told their haters to shut up and let me do me. I don't care about my weaknesses. I'm just going to focus on my strengths. I'll get my weaknesses better, but I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to believe. And this city believed Giannis Antetokounmpo believed he had the right support around him. He had the right family, the right system that believed in him. If this city could talk, it would say we need more of that. I would also think that Chicago would agree as well. We need to dream more. We need to believe in each other more. We need to surround each other more with that, that support because it's not always about taking the easy way out. Like, like Giannis said, it's, it's about, you know, going through it and, and, and feeling those hard times, feeling those L's, but just staying on course, staying on track and trying to become the best that you can be and doing it again and again and again, and again, and again. So that's my my five-star commentary right there. Hey, man, I rock with that. And, and I want to see that in, in our future here in Chicago because when you look at what Milwaukee was doing, if this city could talk, hey, we're no different than Milwaukee because to me, Milwaukee's a bootleg Chicago anyway. So we, at the end of the day, we need to remember who we are in this city support our teams no matter what the record is because in those moments where when the bucks are doing what they're doing it's gonna feel sweet you had eighty thousand people in the streets dc told you about it those people are living their best lives while i was while i was sitting watching it on tv maybe a little 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 salty i ain't gonna lie you know so i want to have those times back here in this city so i agree with that wholeheartedly yeah, man, I agree with DC shared there, but I did wonder, like, man, those guys all stacked together. The first thing I thought about, like, hey, COVID's still out here, man. Be careful, protect yourselves. So I didn't want to rain on a parade from that standpoint. But I do get the point where you talk about the hard work, man, going through those trials and tribulations, man. To me, you got to really like a guy, a star player that goes that went through that process 
and then made it to the championship and won it all. So, hey, the Bulls can do the same thing, build it up. I mean, think about it, Perez. That's how we start off with George. You know, we drafted George, and then, hey, things just started to come into our favor a few years down the road, man. So you never know, man. That's something I look at that. I take that very serious, but I hope that we can do the same thing and get back to that. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, listen, whether it's the Bulls, whether it's the Justin Fields era, Chicago Bears. Yep. Those Chicago White Sox. I think that's about it. But whatever happens with those teams, we're going to be here for it. Get about the sky. Ooh, DC, wait to hold me honest. I was trying to take a subtle shot at, uh, at A-Dub there, but you, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that one team. So, yeah, good call. Hey, hey, hey look, 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 no, 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 stop that. Hey, DC, you better throw the Cubs in there too, man. Just because we're struggling right now a little bit, that don't mean we're not part of this culture in Chicago. Don't leave us out, buddy. <laughs> you know what? Chicago Cubs, 2039 World Series champions. I put it down. Put it in. 2039. Wait, wait, wait a minute, man. Wait a minute, man. Wait a minute, DC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, remember in Back to Future, was it like three? And then they say somewhere there the, the Cubs are going to win the World Series in 2039? That's kind of funny that you said that year. <laughs> that, was, that was random as hell. I love it, though. Fellas, man. This is a dope ass episode, audience. I hope you love this one. Uh, I think to me, this was probably one of my favorite ones uh, st- uh, early on. And guys, we're going to keep uh, the vibes going here on out, brothers. Good ass episode, and we are out. DC, go on and sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Chicago State of Mind. You can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow or subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We appreciate your support of our show. If this city could talk, it would say Michael Jordan is and always will be the greatest of all time. The GOAT.